And all of God's people said, Amen. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Let's turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. While you're finding that passage of Scripture, I want to ask you a very important question. Why is it that Christians, at least I'm speaking of those that have taken the time to really understand God's Word and study God's Word and understand the truth there, why is it that Christians dogmatically assert that Christianity cannot be grouped or lumped into with any other world religion? They also emphatically attest to the fact that Christianity is not a religion. It's something far more than that. Well, I believe the answer to that is what we find in the story of Easter Sunday morning is outlined for us in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. In that passage of Scripture, it says, Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance, it was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He is not here. For he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is raised from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Lo, in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior. Waiting the coming day. Jesus, my Lord. And this is where that smile gets on your face right there, right? Up from the grave he arose. Come on, sing it with me. With the mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. Why? He arose. He arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Isn't that good stuff this morning? Man. (laughs) Up from the grave he arose. This is why Christians are so emphatic and why they are so dogmatic about their faith that Christianity cannot be lumped into or be considered some kind of religion Because it is not. It is Christianity and it is based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we have the privilege to be able to come together, we can understand that Christianity is so different and it's so distinctive because it is not a religion. And it's not a religion just because of the teachings of Jesus. It's not a religion just because of the life of Jesus. And it's not just a religion 
because of the death of Jesus. The reason that it's not a religion and what makes Christianity so different is from the fact that in a moment of time, maybe even in such a minuscule moment of time that it wasn't even able to be measured when something happened like it never happened before. When something took place that has never been recreated again. Jesus came back to life. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking right now is, well, we've read through the Bible and other people did come back to life. Yes, they were brought back to life, but they were brought back to life in the same body. And as a result of being brought back to life in the same body, then they once again experience physical death because this body dies. But that's not what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ was raised with an incorruptible and a immortal and an eternal and a heavenly body that can never die again. And you know what that means? That means by my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to be resurrected into a body that will never die again. Man, that's a blessing as I look at this story. On Easter Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, when these two ladies, Mary and Mary Magdalene, they go to the tomb of Jesus. They're going there to finish the embalming process. The stone that's covering the tomb has been rolled away. There's an angel sitting on top of it. And listen to what that angel says again. He says, he is not here. He doesn't say, well, he's not here. We've moved him to another location. He doesn't say he's not here because his his followers have come and taken him away. He's not here because there's some kind of ruse that's taking place to try to fabricate his resurrection. He simply says he is not here. Why? Because he is risen just as he said. These past three weeks, we've been taking Sunday morning to prepare our hearts for Easter. We've been trying to prepare ourselves for this day, and this past week it was my privilege to be able to meet with many of you on, on uh, each evening at 7 o'clock, and we journeyed through the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. And as we journeyed through these last, areas, these last uh, hours of Jesus' life, we came to the cross last night. We came to the time of Jesus' resurrection, and as we came to the end of the service last night, the lights were dimmed, and we dismissed ourselves quietly, and it was so we could have a, a feeling and an understanding that last night we were leaving Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. So what if Jesus would have remained on that cross? What if after they took Jesus' lifeless dead body and they took it off the cross and they put it in a tomb, if Jesus' body would have remained there until it was totally decomposed, until there was nothing but bones left and everyone could mark the place and the location of here lies Jesus of Nazareth? What would be the big deal if, if Jesus was still dead? What's the big deal about the resurrection? Why, as Christians, do we make such a big deal about the resurrection? I mean, we could still believe in in, in Christianity. We could still believe in eternal hope if Jesus Christ had not come back to life. What's the big deal? Rabbi Mark Gelman is a rabbi at Temple Beth Torah in Dix Hills, New York. You, You may possibly remember that name. He and... And, and, and another gentleman, they had, uh, they had a show on HBO, and then they've been featured on Good Morning America and different places. Uh, they were called the God Squad. 
And they would take difficult questions and they would take different, difficult understanding of, of scriptural things and how different religions and people looked at things. And they would try to answer that or give some insight into that. Rabbi Gelman, commenting on the resurrection, said this. If there were not a resurrection, then not only is the Christian testament false, but worse, Christianity is a cruel deception. Unlike Judaism and Islam and Hinduism and even Buddhism, which are all built on God's teachings, Christianity is built both on God's teachings as well as an historical event proving a transcendental miracle. I think the rabbis got it right here. I think he understands that everything that Christianity, everything that Christians, everything that this church stands upon today, it hinges and rises and falls on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rabbi Gelman concludes his comments by saying this. The divide separating Christians from non-Christians is not between those who think loving all people is good. And those who think loving all people is bad. The real divide is between those who believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day as proof that he was indeed the Messiah sent by God. And those who do not believe this article of faith and this audacious historical claim. What if the resurrection had never taken place? What if tomorrow morning all of the major news outlets and all of the major media that we are so inundated with, what if every one of those media sources ran as a front news as the headline of the day? After 2,000 years, the body of Jesus has been discovered. Christianity in chaos. What would that have mattered? Would it have mattered? Would that make a difference in what we believe? Well, if we go to scriptures, we're going to do here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What we find is that the Apostle Paul has already answered that question for us. That is the the amazing thing about our Bible. That's why when we come together at Oak Ridge Baptist Church, we use the Bible as our textbook. We don't use business books and we don't use political books. We use God's holy word as the answer for our daily life. And in the Bible, when we have this question about, well, what really is so big about the resurrection and what is it about it that that makes such a difference? We go to it and we find that Paul has already addressed four fallacies. He's already shown us that if indeed the resurrection had never happened and if indeed Jesus Christ had never come back to life, there are four fallacies about the Christian faith that would be in place. The first fallacy that he comments on, he says, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never took place, then our message... It's meaningless. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14. He said, if Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not been resurrected, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. Paul makes a pretty blunt statement here, doesn't he? He comes right to the point. He says, here's the deal. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave after three days, Galen... Your preaching is of no use. As a matter of fact, what he would say is, me standing before you this morning, it's really a waste of time. Not only is my preaching this morning, you're a fool for being here. 
If the resurrection has never happened, there's no need for us to be coming together because the message, it's totally meaningless. You know, if Jesus Christ was dead today, you know where it'd be better off for us to be? On the lake. At a golf course. It better, it'd be better for us to be home than it would be wasting our time up here today. Because if Jesus has not raised from the dead, there is no message to be shared. We're not the first people that have had to deal with this. Again, we find answers in Scripture. You remember a guy by the name of Peter? One of Jesus' disciples. What does he do during Jesus' trials? Tell me. He denies Jesus how many times? Three times. He's walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He's been his close friend. He's heard Jesus say, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life in three days. He's there. He watches the trials. He sees Jesus go to the cross. He sees Jesus die. He sees Joseph of Arimathea take that body and take him and bury him in that new tomb. It's over. Jesus is dead. So what does he do? He goes fishing. He says, man, there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to keep worrying about. I'm going fishing. A bunch of his buddies in John 21 verse 3 says, well, if the one that promoted Jesus Christ is going to go fishing because Jesus is dead, then, hey, we're going with you. But then that verse says, and they caught nothing. I think there's a reason why they didn't catch anything on that day. I'm not going to preach that to you this right now. Okay, I'm not. But there was a reason, I believe. Remember, Jesus claims to be the Son of God. Jesus even allows himself to be worshipped as God. And this Jesus said, tear this temple down, and after three days, I will raise it up again. So the truth of the matter is, the only way that I know Jesus Christ really is the right message, the only way that I know that Jesus Christ is the resurrection, is because he was resurrected. And what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, he says, Paul, I'm a, I'm a bondservant of Christ Jesus. I'm called as an apostle. I'm set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power. And he says, here is how we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fallacy number one, if He's not risen from the dead, our message is meaningless. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, if it never took place, my witness and your witness in this world today, it's worthless. Look at verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, if our message is not is meaningless because it doesn't have a, re, a resurrection attached to it. Moreover, moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If, in fact, the dead are not raised. That word false witness that we see there in the Greek, it's pseudomartus. It's a compound word, and the first part of that word is pseudo. We're, we're familiar with that, a pseudo-intellect. Uh, it's someone that falsely believes that they're smarter than they really are. That second part, martyrus, it's, it's where we get our word martyr. 
When we think of martyr, we think of maybe like what happened in the Brussels airport this week when people martyred themselves. They killed themselves for for something, for a faith that they believed in. But when you study this word at the time that it was being used in the first century, when we find this writing take place, the word martyr was really used or martyrus was really used as someone that would testify. And what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, he's saying, moreover, we are even found to be false testifiers. Erroneous testifiers, lying testifiers, if indeed... We testify that Jesus Christ was raised. We would, be, we would be telling people wrong things if we testified that God had raised Christ from the dead, if he had not raised him, and in fact, if none of the dead was ever going to be raised. You would be nothing but false teachers. You would be liars. You would be people that would be promoting something that would be leading people to hell. Matter of fact, if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, the greatest liar of all is Jesus Christ himself. Because he emphatically said, I am God. I am the Messiah. And when the children of Israel would not listen to him, then he turned himself to others and he proclaimed to them, my people who study the Old Testament. And I'm trying to help them understand when I go into their synagogues and present myself as the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. I'm going to be very blunt with you. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, period. And if that's not the case, then Jesus is the greatest liar of all time. And those of us that proclaim his message are the greatest false tellers of anyone that ever existed. Because we say that this Jesus is the only way to eternal life because this Jesus says he is the only way to eternal life. If Jesus is a liar, then the entire Bible is a lie. If the entire Bible is a lie, then the Christian message is meaningless. My witness is worthless. And if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never took place, then my faith is foolish. Foolish. Look at verse 16. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Now, there's a lot of people in our world today. That they say it doesn't matter what faith that you have. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what you ascribe to. As long as you have some kind of faith and you are sincere in that faith, then everything's going to work out at the end. But can I give you this statement this morning? Faith is no greater than its object. Faith is no greater than its object. They're saying as long as you have faith, As long as you have a belief in something, just be sincere in that faith and it'll all work out for you at the end. But I want you to understand, faith is only as good as the object in which that faith is being placed. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about. In our our congregation, we have pilots and we have airplane mechanics and we have those that take care of different components of, of an airplane. And I decide to... uh, to use them to help me um, get a get a Boeing 737-300 model aircraft onto a runway at some airport. 
And I get one of our pilots into the driver's seat and I get one of those that knows how to best take care of the mechanical components of that airplane. And I get those that are well versed at the ground crew component and I get everything in place. And I tell them the only thing I want you not to do is do not put any jet fuel in that airplane. And when I get there, I'm going to have faith that that airplane is going to take off and take me on vacation. So we sit down and I say, okay, I'm ready to go. I have all the faith that I need. You know what that plane's going to do? It's going to sit there. So then I'm going to get really religious and I'm going to call for all the staff members and deacons of my church. And that airplane will seat about somewhere between about 180 or over 200, depending if you're flying United or Southwest Airlines. And I'm going to get all of our church leadership and we're going to get all on that plane and we're going to sit there. And by faith, we're going to take off with that airplane. Well, obviously, they're just not spiritual enough that that plane is not moving. So I'm going to come talk to some of you guys that know far more and you're more spiritual than us. And I'm going to ask you to get on that plane and we're going to sit there with no jet fuel in that plane. And we're going to, by faith, claim that that airplane is going to take off and take us on vacation. You know what that plane's going to do? He's going to sit there because there is no substance for that faith to take action. And I want you to know if the resurrection has not taken place, then my faith is foolish. Nothing that I put my faith in can produce eternal life unless there is substance to that faith. Unless there is substance that backs up what I'm putting my faith into, that faith will not produce eternal life for me or anyone else. And the problem is with this, as we think about this idea of just having sincere faith in something, the problem is, and what Paul helps us understand here, the biggest problem that we have of why we cannot have eternal life would still be in place if Jesus had never been resurrected. Because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for we've all sinned. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned. And as a result of that, we fall short of God's glory. And if sin is the problem, which it is, and if sin is the reason why I cannot be reconciled back to God and I cannot do anything good enough to earn my salvation because I'm a sinner, then Paul says in verse 18, all those who have fallen asleep in Christ... They've really gone to hell. They perish because Jesus is a farce. If Jesus has not been resurrected, then everything that they place their faith in, that they believe, it's a foolish faith. Because just like that airplane will not take off without jet fuel, a person does not go to heaven without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My faith is foolish if it's never happened. My message is meaningless. My witness is worthless. My faith is foolish. And Paul says, let me give you one more fallacy. If the resurrection had never taken place, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never took place, our existence is empty. And I want you to know that's where a lot of people are today. Their existence is empty. They have no purpose. They have no direction. They don't know why they have a job. They don't know why they have taken this path in their educational process. They don't know why all of the things that they're striving at, when they finally grasp hold of them, it still leaves an emptiness inside of them. 
I know without the resurrection, my existence would be empty as well. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul helps us understand about this. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most pitied. And then he goes down to verse 32 down there and he says, let me, let me clearly help you understand that statement. If we've hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most pitied. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow. We're just going to die. If Jesus has not come back to life, then when we die, we're just going to be dead. So why care about anything? Let's just eat and drink and be married and have a good old time and get everything out of life as we possibly can. And then when we die, we die with the most toys. Yay, glory, hallelujah. And that's why some people approach it. Hey, I got to get everything I can to get in this world because after this, I don't know what happens. And Paul said, if we're just going to think that Jesus Christ is going to make a difference in this life and this life only and not in the hereafter, we are of the people most pitied. Just go eat, drink, and be married and don't worry about anything else. Go to the lake. Go to the golf course. Do something besides Jesus. And some of you right now are going, oh, yeah, that's me. That's what I want. That's what I've been doing. Can I, can I just... Can I just ask you to stay with me for just a moment if that is where you're at. If you're there and you're saying, you know, this, this, this religion stuff, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, all that, there's just all this kind of stuff. Who knows? I, I'm just going to just live and just let the cards play where they will. I'm not even sure this Christianity stuff is really what is cranked up to be. I'm not even sure if there was a resurrection or not then let me just give you a few things to think about. Why, if after thousands and thousands of years, in a culture in which it was so important to take the teachings of your forefathers and to apply them into your life and to continue that process, it was a very oral tradition-driven, it was a very ancestor tradition-driven belief system, the Jewish faith. Why if after thousands of years of meeting on Saturday would suddenly the group of people that have encountered Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry, why would they suddenly switch worshiping on Saturday to Sunday? Totally going against the whole culture. Totally going against everything that their, their families and their heritage and everything that they... Why would they make a switch to stop worshiping on Saturday and start worshiping on Sunday? Well, there's one reason and one reason only. And that's because it was on Sunday that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Why would the writers of the Bible, most of whom were martyred, Why would they go ahead and be killed when they were given the opportunity over and over and over again to recant their belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why would they not do it? I mean, it's one thing to be a false witness and to promote something and just try to trick people. But when the hangman's noose goes around your neck. Or when you're tied to two horses and you're about to be ripped half in two. 
When you're being tied to a stake and the fire under your feet is about to be lit. Why would you keep believing a lie? You know why? Because they had been to the tomb. They had been to the place where Jesus no longer was. And they had with their own eyes witnessed the fact that Jesus Christ indeed was the resurrected Lord and Savior. The angel said to the women, do not fear, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Because of that, I won't be at the golf course next Sunday morning. (laughs) Because of that right there. I'm not going to be calling Randy all up this week and saying, hey, Randy, man, I know that you're onto those bass up at Lake Conroe. 930 next Sunday morning. Let's go hit them. Because of that, I'm going to use the famous words of that theologian Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I'm going to say about next Sunday morning? I'll be back. I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be right here in this pulpit. I'm going to be right here proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ's message does have a meaning. Jesus Christ's witness is worthy. Faith in Jesus Christ is never foolish. And I exist with purpose today because Jesus Christ's tomb is empty. Amen. Amen. Low in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus, my Lord. Stand to your feet and sing it with me. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. What did he do? He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Amen. I want you to know I've enjoyed our time together of being able to celebrate our resurrected Lord and Savior. And we've enjoyed time together and we've enjoyed having some meals together. And that's been going on and is just wrapping up next door. I'm going to be excited.